Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Night fans, so sorry you missed the live show, but this replay is brought to you by Gordon and Partners. Gordon and Partners are dedicated to the pursuit of justice for those who've been wrongfully injured at no fault of their own. It's important that you get legal advice directly from somebody you trust, which in our case is Michael Hoffman, a UCF alum. Contact Michael directly at 407-913-5350 or visit the website fortheinjured.com. Don't just trust anybody. Trust a fellow knight. Trust Gordon and Partners for the injured. Hello, Night Nation. Trace Trelko here. Welcome into the Sons of UCF Live. And hello, Adam. Hello, Mike. How are you guys? I am doing well, Trace. Nice little week so far for UCF Sports. A big uh, basketball victory I know we're going to talk about. So all things considered, doing well. Yeah, everything's great, man. Basketball team looks fantastic. I'm here busy in the chat interacting with some uh, folks before the show starts. Oh, look at that. And I got to lower the volume on my, uh, my show here. Okay. <laughs> we're ready to go. Well, you mentioned basketball. Let's begin with that. You know, we are a basketball school. And in the post-game uh, media session last night, CJ Kelly had a question for you guys. They kept talking about Memphis and Houston, Memphis and Houston. And it was just like, okay, what about UCF? Adam, Mike, what about UCF? Is the hype real now following the night's double overtime, 107-104 victory over the Memphis Tigers? Listen, a lot to like about that victory, Trace. I think a couple things stand out. One, undermanned. Uh, Michael Durr, Darius Johnson not playing. Foul trouble for a few guys. Jalen Young, I think, got some chicklets rearranged, if I read that correctly. So, uh, P.J. Edwards and Ty and Freeman step up. Ethiel Horton goes for 30. A lot to like about this team. A nice win at home. A little bit closer than I would have liked. We had opportunities to put this thing away sooner. But you got to like the victory. You got to win these ones at home. We talked about that in the podcast. You can't give away home games like this, even though it wasn't pretty. Uh, and there was a ton of foul calls. We found a way to pull it out. So I'm trending cautiously optimistic here. Uh, I think uh, you're going you're gonna to give us the John Rothstein tweet in a second, Trace. But I think this is the perfect way to sum up where UCF is right now. Yeah, you mentioned John Rothstein, and you used the word trending. Rothstein saying UCF is in position to be in position, trending upward under Johnny Dawkins. Mike, agree? Definitely. I mean, the season has definitely gotten off to a much better start than the last couple. We haven't seen that fall off yet. I know everybody was had their excuses lined up to go just in case we lost that one last night. Uh, we were missing two starters. There was, the, the officiating was horrible. Hendricks fouled out before overtime. 
but we didn't need to use them. And that's what I like. I like fighting through the adversity. The guys came together as a team. Guys that didn't get much playing time. P.J. Edwards out of nowhere with some big shots down the stretch. Great game. It was a very entertaining basketball game. I loved it. I will, say, Teresa, yeah. I will say this. I was watching the game with my wife and it went to second overtime. And uh, I decided to do a room switch. And she was like, aren't you going to you know, get to the TV? And I was like, no, it's fine. I said, this is a game we usually lose, right? Because this is a game we usually lose. This is a game we get close in and down the stretch. We find a way to, to choke it away or something. And, uh, and surprise, surprise, Izzy O'Horton. Uh, again, uh, Ty Freeman, PJ Edwards pull it out. So pleasantly surprised. I, this is the game we normally lose. And to Mike's point, um, it's good to be in the win column. Maybe that that four, foreshadows better things to come. Does she agree when you do things like this? Switch rooms, switch jerseys, switch hats. Does she Does she get it? I'm not sure she notices, honestly. <laughs> I don't even know if she notices. I mean, yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, I'm just ahead, that. we will hear from head coach Johnny Dawkins. We'll talk with our insider, uh, Leo Rodriguez, who's been covering the Knights this season for us. Uh, so more basketball just ahead. I want to give you guys a big compliment. Of course, I never miss an episode of the podcast. And when I saw the booked kicker, Daniel Obarski, I, I wondered how you guys were going to handle uh, some of the difficult questions. And you've got you've had great interviews uh, through the years. I think this was your your best work, I think. Daniel made for the perfect guest. All right. We'll see you guys later. We're done. <laughs> we finally did it. No, I, I, I thought you handled the questions with uh, respect and, and he didn't duck any of them and he was very candid with you. So what I will say about that game um, was a huge turning point in my career, right? Um, I felt great, you know, was doing good in the warm-ups at halftime, felt good. was like, I'm going to go nail this kick, Right. I was kicking in the net on the sideline just mentally, you know, you got this, you got this, you got this. Um, and going out there, it's just, there's nothing like it. You can prepare all you want for it, but when you go out there and everybody's looking at you and you know what's at stake, it's truly something I'll probably never experience again. It was just a wild feeling. And a lot more observations like that. Uh, I couldn't help but thinking as I was driving and listening, Adam, your big takeaway uh, there's a lot of fans in Night Nation that maybe should have said nicer things about Daniel Obarski through the years than they perhaps have. Yeah, I mean, present company included, right? We all had our fun at times with certain things that he did. And I, I told him off the air, we probably talked to him another 15, 20 minutes that we didn't record. Uh, and he was telling us more about the DMs and showing us a little bit more about what he was going through. And I felt like an absolute heel that, you know, we were we were two people, Mike and I specifically, who each week had fun at his expense on the show. And um, you know, you feel bad uh, when you hear some of that stuff, what the kid's going through, particularly the Memphis game. I and mean, he he can pinpoint the moment in time, essentially his college career for all intents and purposes, short circuited. Uh, and to, to still have some uh, measure of perspective about that, um, to still take the high road about a lot of things, even though he could absolutely be bitter. He he told Mike and I, he's like, hey, I got the DMs right here. I can out people right now if I want to. And, and he had no interest in doing that. I found it really cool that he's found a place of peace. Um, and he's found a place where he feels comfortable and, and he's able to talk through it. Now, I think what I will say on his behalf is that was a nice package in a 10 minute interview. I imagine a lot more work went in behind the scenes to get into this place. Uh, but despite the fact that sometimes results weren't there and he was the first one to admit it, um, you know, I think he'll always have a, a once a night, always a night place for me. So um, I'm glad he was able to talk and share. Uh, I'm glad we were able to get him on the show and couldn't be uh, could be more impressed with the kid. Even off air, we've we've DM'd a few, uh, a few times since then. Just a really impressive kid. Yeah, I think we often treat these kids like professionals when really they're not. They're an 18, 19, 20 year old kids. And to deal with all this stuff and the backlash from negative plays from 
fans, drunks. I mean, he told us afterwards, some people would text him the day after they texted him and say, you know, I'm sorry I said that. I was drunk. You know, things like that. Just I can't imagine going through if I'm 19, 20 years old and then walking around campus, having people look at you and make remarks that, hey, how'd you miss that? This and that. So uh, he handled it with grace. You know, he wasn't the greatest kicker that we've ever had. Let's be honest. I mean, I, I made fun of him plenty of times for his kicks out of bounds, but he, he definitely owns up to it. And he and he faced all the questions. and It was a great time talking to him. I, uh, I messaged him as well to say that he did a, a great job with you. And he messaged me back this. Uh, Thanks for all you do as well. You truly help make UCF football a great place to be. And I thought, well, you know, the the guys really showed a great deal of grace. uh, And I'd hope that, uh, you know, he's saving those DMs. Maybe it just spurs him and motivates him to continue to be a great representative of UCF and be all the best that he can be in his life and, and whatever he decides to do next. Yeah, again, if you walk away not impressed with uh, the maturity of the kid um, and, and, you, and you get to know him a little bit. Again, I, I, the interview started off, Trace. I didn't know he played hockey. No clue. No clue he yeah, was a hockey player that. growing up. And, you know, he, even off the air, again, he talked about hockey probably just as much as he talked about, um, talked about football. So, you know, he, he didn't go up there and try to miss in those kicks. I think he was upfront about the fact that he certainly didn't have the results he wanted to have. Uh, but just a, a great conversation. Again, not everyone, it's not going to be for everybody. Some people are going to be like, no, we didn't make kicks. I don't want to hear from him again. And that's fine. But if you have a little bit of grace, a little bit of opportunity to kind of open yourself up to another perspective, I think it's a really interesting conversation. Just exactly what Adam said. I wasn't paying attention again. Sorry. Guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You can find that full interview on the sons of UCF YouTube channel. It is worth the listen. Uh, you can see Daniel and that interview, or of course, download the sons podcast. And another thing you guys talked about a great deal on Monday was the uh, uh, next up with Adam Brenneman on the behind the scenes tour of UCF athletics. And I forget at times that you guys uh, don't live locally in central Florida. You're not out to the campus as much. So for me, I see m- much of that, but even I was a little thrown off. Uh, you're going to play a clip now, Adam. Behind the scenes in the UCF football facility at the the underwater treadmill. No we got our pools, underwater treadmill. I've been hitting that recently. Massage hose is a fan favorite. Mm, yes, massage hose. <laughs> oh, massage hose. Yeah. So they, How's that work? Just turn the jet on, and it's like stupid jet. It, it's got some serious <laughs> kick behind it, and so then it's just like a like a like a, you would roll out yeah. like, anything, and so That's you just breaks up some of that tissue and stuff. That's sick. That's it. Between those two guys, they said sick and sweet and cool uh, quite a few times. Let's talk to the guy who went on that behind the scenes story. He is Adam Brenneman. Uh, He is VP of Media and NIL for Mercury. Adam, welcome into the Sons of UCF Live. What's up, guys? Appreciate you having me on. You've been doing a lot of stuff out at UCF. Underwater treadmill, you were familiar with this? Had you ever used such a thing? Yeah, it's funny. It's it's one of those things that fans don't really know about. It's really not all that uncommon. And in, in, in college football, we had one at, at the schools I played at, but it's really used uh, for injury situations where guys are coming back because when you run under underwater, there's obviously not the gravity force. So when you're kind of coming back from an ACL tear, a lot of the guys will use that underwater, uh, underwater treadmill to uh, – you know, just to kind of uh, get get their bearings without having to put all the weight bearing, all the force on a on a knee injury, a lower, lower body injury. But uh, that UCF facility is 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 certainly impressive, and and um, you know got to see a lot of cool parts of it. And glad glad that you guys were able to see, and a lot of UCF fans were able to see parts of it that maybe you didn't even know about. 
Yeah, what was your favorite part, Adam? Obviously, I know you've been around UCF a little bit. You've talked to JRP and, and Terry Mahajer before, but I assume that's the first time you've seen some of that stuff. What was your favorite part of the tour? Yeah, I'd, I'd say uh, I think the weight room's really cool. They've done a great job uh, redoing that whole place, and, and you can see it's it's got a little bit – you know, there's some weight rooms in college football that are so massive that it doesn't really have a great feel to it, but uh, the UCF weight room is kind of compact, and, and, and I could see how it would be easy to uh, – to get uh, excited to lift on there. It's funny when you walk in there, they have like strobe lights and speakers hanging from the ceiling, like almost, you know, looking like it's, it's like about to be a party in there. And from the videos I've seen, it certainly gets, uh, gets the energy going in uh, when, when, when they're in there lifting. So that was a really cool part. I think another neat part about, especially for JRP is just how close proximity everything is in the athletic campus there. You know, you have the, athletic director's offices you have the football facility you have the indoor complex you have the stadium itself uh the bounce house you have the baseball uh, facility all within you can literally throw a rock to all of them uh and get everywhere you need to be which is unique you know like a lot of schools have their main their stadium kind of away from the football facility at penn state where i played those the facilities in one part of town you got to drive five minutes to get to the stadium so it's cool to have all that right there it's a it's a really cool setup Adam, you went to school at Penn State. What are some of the things that UCF has to improve on facility-wise to catch up to a school like Penn State? How long is it going to take? I mean, the, the facility arms race is just constantly going, right? You got schools, you know, that are every two years, they're upping their facilities and, and redeveloping part of it and and doing renovation plans uh, for, for other parts. So I think it's just being able to keep up with the arms race. And, and I talked to Terry about it a little bit when I did the podcast with him and uh, I, I think clearly UCF has shown that they're committed to investing at the highest level and investing in the, the way, the level it takes to be a power five football program. Um, and, and I, I think that their, their football facility, while it's really, really nice and it's, it's high level, it can always be better. You know, it's, 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 there's parts of it that are older, a lot, like a lot of schools, there's parts that are really new and, and nice. And I know that, you know, there's talks, um, that JRP was telling me about, about talks about renovating a lot of it and, and kind of some new plans in the work that Coach Malzahn's been working on since he's been there. So I'm excited to see it. And, and, and I know one thing, just from being around that, that athletic department, being around uh, Terry, being around the, their leadership, it, when they're, they're committed to, to doing things the right way and, and, and making a statement. Uh, so I'm sure that, that whenever they do redo that, that facility, it's going to be one of the best in the country. Before your visits that you've had recently with JRP and Terry Modger, what was your perception of UCF? What did you think? You know, I would say I've always looked at UCF as a sleeping giant, per se, in, in college football, as a school that that had was in number one, the first thing you look at, like recruiting base. You know, college football is all about talent acquisition. At UCF, you have arguably one of the best bases in the country. You have you have florida in proximity to every major city in florida you have every sec you know state you can easily get to a lot of places in the country so you have that ability to, to fly around bring kids in on recruiting it's not like some schools where you know to get to notre dame is not very easy you gotta you, know, you gotta fly in drive three hours it's a mess so um you have that which is which is exciting you you have uh, an administration that's bought in to wanting to win at the highest level and being innovative and doing the things they have to do. So I've always viewed them as kind of a sleeping giant, but I, my perception has shifted to almost, I don't even view them as sleeping anymore, right? They're going to the big 12. 
They've done such a great job from a branding standpoint, from a marketing standpoint, from a uh, player promotion standpoint that they're really one of the premier programs in college football that's consistently talked about in the top 25. Uh, and now they're moving to a power five conference. I, I don't see, you know, I, I think it's time and I've done it, take the sleeping tag out of it. And I think pretty soon there'll be a giant, a giant in college football. I always reference coach Malzahn when, when he took the job, I remember he said something to the sorts of, and I'm going to botch his quote a little bit, but it's not direct, but said something like, I've always believed that if someone came here, built it the right way and stayed here for uh, for an extended period of time, that this could, this place could win a national championship. Do you believe Malzahn is in it for the long haul? I do. I do. I, I really do. I, I think the biggest thing bet- for head coaches and the biggest issue they have a lot of times is just alignment in, in a university. It, it's alignment from the president, chancellor. It's alignment to the AD. It's alignment to to the head coach. And I think at U- UCF has some of the best alignment I think you're going to see. I mean, you know, Terry handpicked Gus, you have, you have their relationship, you have the, the commitment that that athletic department has had, and they've really been, been innovative in a lot of different ways. I mean, I, I give UCF tons of credit for, you know, at a lot of schools and you guys have probably seen this in other places. It's, there's so it's hard to get things done. It's hard to, to have change. It's hard to get people to do things the way they haven't done it for years before UCF doesn't have that issue. When, when there's a, a new way to do something, when they can be innovative, when there's a new trend out there, I mean, you look at, you talk about the QR codes on the back of the spring. I mean, that was innovative when that happened. I, I remember like, oh, like that was shocking to people. There's, you're not going to have any of that challenge at UCF because of how great the athletic administration is and, and how great they, they, they've set that up and, and the commitment they've shown to, to the future. So I think, I think Gus Malzahn, if I'm him right now, and, and I, I'm sure this is the way he feels, is that he has everything he needs to be successful. He's going to get support from the administration. They're going to do what he needs to do. When he goes and tells the administration, we need this budget for – a coaching staff. We need to keep our OC. We need to. We need to. You know, and we're struggling in NIL. That that's not going to be an issue. Where he's going to have alignment from the administration. And if you have alignment, uh, and you're in a place that you can recruit to, which UCF has, and w- which which you have in, in the state of Florida, uh, and, and you you have you have commitment. It, there, there's no reason you can't be successful in college football, especially now that you're going to a Power Five conference. My favorite part of the show is when people get to do my job for me. So we got a question here from Jan on the screen. Uh, obviously, you're, you're a part of Mercury. Can you talk more about how you became involved with UCF and how this is connected to Charge on XYZ? Yeah, so Charge on XYZ is one of our school platforms at Mercury. So we, we, we partner with different universities. UCF's one of them. Others are Clemson, Oklahoma, um, Kentucky, Kansas. And... Um, and we build these fan communities for for uh, for the the best fans at the at the best schools. And UCF was a school that you know we get to be really selective with the schools we work with, which is exciting. Um, you know, obviously, in the day and age of NIL and and athlete driven media, uh, there's a lot of schools that want to want to have these platforms and want to have a company come in and do NIL deals with their players and create all this content. So. UCF from the beginning was one that there were some relationships that, that some of our team had. And, and when the conversation you know, started, it was one that we were excited about because of the reasons I mentioned that, that they're innovative. And we kind of felt like we were, you know, 
catching the 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 trend at the right time you know when as UCF becomes one of the premier programs in college football and it's really guys it's been one of the most surprising things to me as someone who's not from Florida who hasn't been super familiar with the program is that out of you know UCF and and our charge on platform and and the fans around UCF are really some of the most active uh enthusiastic that 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 we have I mean it's it's incredible you know again like what we talked about earlier sometimes UCF gets the tag of like a sleeping giant uh you know not not a power five school until now so so you don't always think of them as having a really strong fan base but I, I've been surprised and I've been been you know shown that, that that's not the case that, that UCF has fans that are just as passionate uh and and really just this is another case for why they're kind of on the on the trend to becoming a, a premier program in, in college football You've done a great job with your interview so far. Who are the people at UCF that you haven't had a chance to speak to that you're looking forward to the most? I'd love to talk to Coach Malzahn. That, that that's a big one for me. I mean, we we've been working on that a while. So um, so we we uh, been talking to JRP. I'm like, you got to help me get Coach on the show at some point. So he, he he's working on that for for us. And um, you know, as I said, got to talk to uh, talk to the athletic director. Got to talk to Bowser. I'm um, trying to do some more stuff with Isaiah, but uh, he, he's a great kid too and been, been really fun to talk to. But it's been cool for us, you know, and, and at, at a lot of the schools, it's, it's great to work with the starting quarterback. And it's great to, you know, the guy that leads the program, oftentimes the face of the program. And John Rice is, is just as good as they come from a leadership standpoint, from a great communicator. You can see just being around him, you know, you can tell a lot about a guy by how his teammates react when, when he's around, you know, and, and I got to follow JRP as you guys saw around the entire facility. And there were some parts of that, that we even cut out. Um, but I got to see how the guys respond to JRP. And, it, and when he walks in the room and everyone lights up, players come up and want to say hi to him and want to give him a hug. I mean, to see the respect he has from his teammates is really cool. And he, he's one, he's, you know, obviously a really good leader and excited to see him, you know, ha- have a year in the, as a, as a power five quarterback here next year. Adam, Mike has had opportunity to go one-on-one with coach Malzahn and may be able to share some things not to ask that, that uh, might upset. Coach oh, I'd, 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 I'd love to hear it. <laughs> Don't ask him about cryptocurrency or anything like that. He, he's not going to give you anything there. <laughs> um Part of your title, in addition to being vice president of media, is NIL. What do you make of this changing landscape? Uh, it, it seems to to move in a different direction every every day. It certainly does. It's uh, it's been described by a lot of people as kind of the wild, wild west, and I think rightfully so, right? It, it, but anytime you have something that's so new and has so and that changes so much in any part of business or sports, it, there's always kind of chaos associated with it. So. Not shocked that that NIL has been chaotic for a lot of people. I, I, I think the reality is NIL at its core is a really big positive for college sports. I mean, I remember being in freaking college and writing art, writing papers about why why players should be able to make money on their on brand deals and marketing deals. Uh, and now that it's here, is a really good thing for the for sports. It's a great thing for college football. It's great for the players who have been sacrificing a lot and putting their bodies on the line. I've always said. I've always said that if if college football and college athletics in general is a business for the coaches, if it's a business for the administrators, if it's a business for the media and the media rights, if it's a business for all the all the the towns in the community, then it's also a business for the players. And I, I think it's great that 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 we got to that point. The, the the issue with it 
And what we've seen is, you know, the factor that college sports has that pro sports don't have is recruiting and, and, and athletes being able to choose where they go to school. So when you tie in NIL along with recruiting, along with the transfer portal, there's naturally some bad actors in there where people you try to use NIL to get guys to transfer school, which is not what NIL was intended to be. But for the, the vast majority and the most part, I think NIL has been a, been a really big positive for the sport. And as, as we get into year two of NIL and as, as we figure things out and as possibly some federal legislation comes into play, uh, I think the bad actors and kind of what it was, the negatives of it will start to, 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 go away and we'll see more and more positive stories but it's been a it's been a huge positive for the for the sport for the sport of college football for the for every you know every part of college athletics I, I really think the positives outweigh the negatives you've mentioned a few times Adam obviously UCF going to the big 12 next year you played college football so you know the sport really well what do you think UCF has to do to be able to compete in year one of the big 12 right it's a really tough transition to go from one league to the next what do you expect or what do you think UCF has to do if they want to be competitive on the field it is a really tough transition. I will say that uh, with the, the structure of college football now, it's easier than ever, though, with the transfer portal where you can turn over your roster pretty quickly. Not, not even turn over, but you can add to your roster really quickly. The biggest challenge always from the transition, whether it's we've seen it from the FCS, the FBS transition, we've seen it from the, from the, you know, from the American to the Big 12, to, to a Power 5, it's always – the uh, the the offensive and defensive lines games are one up front you know can you get the size the strength and more than anything else it's really the athleticism of the offensive linemen can you get top tier offensive and defensive linemen that can withstand in a power five conference because at the end of the day ucf will always be able to get uh skill players you're going to get quarterbacks you're People want to play in warm weather. That's just the truth. As a as a skill guy, quarterbacks want to play in warm weather. You got a great recruiting base for skill guys. Can you get the offensive and defensive linemen you need to to win in the Big Twelve? And I, I think again, college football. It's all about talent acquisition. I think Coach Malzahn has proven throughout his career to be a really elite recruiter. And I would I would uh, have no doubt that he's got a plan in place to to you know to. Uh, put the pieces together on that on that front on offense and defense to, to be a be a, a really good team in the Big Twelve and any and anytime you return your quarterback you, you you have a shot I mean anytime you have a quarterback that's played at a high level in, in their career and I know this past season there were some ups and downs uh, but anytime you return a guy that that can make the plays that JRP can at quarterback uh, you, you got a chance to be really really good. You were a freshman in 2013 at Penn State. When UCF went up to Happy Valley and beat you guys, what do you remember about that day? Uh, great question. Long pause. Long pause. <laughs> yeah, great question. That was um, that was my first catch of my career was against UCF. Uh, it was as you mentioned at Penn State. I remember it was like a fourth down and two. Uh, we went for it like first drive of the game, and I was at tight end, and I ran a little flat route and called it for like two and a half yards for the first down. Uh, so that, that was that was my first uh, my first ever catch in my college career uh, as a as a true freshman. But I, to be honest, I don't remember much about that game. If you would have asked me who won that game, I don't know if I would have remembered who won. Uh, but that, that was a long time ago, man. I'm aging myself a little bit, but yeah, it was it, it's funny. I actually kind of forgot I even played UCF until you just mentioned that. So uh, you know, it's, it's all, all the games, and especially when you end up transferring, like blur together. Uh, so it's been, it's been, it was good, but no, it's, it's, I, I have a lot of fond memories from the time at Penn state and, and, uh, it's funny to see how much the UCF program's grown from even that, that, that day, you know, that, that game to, to now. 
Mike is here to remind you of final scores. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> Four catches for 22 yards that day. Was that what it was? Yeah. Four, but, uh, man. That, that, that's not a very good yards per catch average, man. Four <laughs> for 22. Uh, and that, that, there weren't many broken tackles. <laughs> if they were all for first downs, then that, that's pretty decent. Yeah. And then, and then the next year, was the next year when – was the next year the Ireland game? Yeah. Was that UCF, Penn State, and Ireland? It was James Franklin's first game, and Sam Ficken hit the field goal to walk off, right? Yeah, that was yeah. it. We don't talk about that one as much. Yeah, yeah that one. I, I yeah, we don't talk about that. Guys, I'm sorry. <laughs> let's uh, let's put a wrap on the college football year. What were some of your favorite storylines from this uh, just concluded season? Man, so, I mean, the best storylines. I think, uh, although the although the national championship didn't go well, I think TCU is probably the story of the year. And Sonny Dykes in year one, just what he's done in that program was really remarkable. Um, and and the the, the surgeons of Max Duggan and, and kind of his story of overcoming adversity and having heart surgery is just just really cool. Uh, I think Setson Bennett's a great story. It was cool to see him have the level of success, be a Heisman finalist, all that uh, was was fun to see. And, and I mean, as a, again, we just talked about as a guy who played at Penn State, one of the cool storylines for me was Penn State you know, finishing in the in the top seven, I think it was at the end of the year, winning the Rose Bowl. Coach Franklin's, you know, one of only three head coaches who's won the Rose Bowl, Fiesta Bowl, and Cotton Bowl as a head coach. So um, those are some of the, the storylines for me. And then, for you know, I also broadcast games on TV, so got to see a lot of games around, like, the MAC, the American Conference, um, and, and was was cool to see, you know, Buffalo have a good season uh, in the MAC and, and kind of – turn things around with Maurice Linguist, their head coach. So, so, you know, the thing with college football, there's so many different teams that you could name about 50 storylines here about, about college football, but it was a, it was a fun season. And I'm telling you, I, I left, left UCF and after spending an hour plus with JRP, extremely excited about the 2023 football season for UCF and excited to see the bounce house and see it rocking when it's, when it's, you know, a power five stadium now. Got to get you in for a game. Oh, I'm trying. I told JRP, you know, the little cabanas right in the end zone. Yeah, sure. I told him if if you get me a cabana, man, I'm there. I'm I'm coming. I want to I want to be in the end zone with a cabana, feed up, watching the game. <laughs> well, you mentioned the JRP interview, Adam, and and the very last part of the interview really has stuck with me. You asked a very sincere question of JRP. Give me a good spot to go have dinner, and he hits you with a PDQ <laughs> and then a Chick Fil A. So where did you actually? Please tell me you didn't have dinner there. A by the way, but B, where did you have dinner that night? I think we went to a uh, to a hibachi spot. And I don't even know what it's called, but it, I, me, I took, I took our video crew, the, the guys that were shooting the, uh, the, the tour, I took them out to dinner at some hibachi place. I'm telling you guys, I might've had like four plates of food. You know, I was like starving. We, it, that day, you know, when we do these shoots, a lot of times we're in and out, right? So JRP hits me up like two days before I'm, I'm bugging him. I'm like, Hey, when can you do this tour? He's like, Hey, well come out, come down on Tuesday. Well, this is like a Monday. He says that, you know, so we're always on the, on the whim. And then, I fly in Tuesday, get off the plane, put myself at the hotel, go right to the stadium, meet JRP. We shoot for two hours, and we're starving by that point. So, yeah, we crushed some hibachi spot. Uh, I, I had like two sushi rolls and like two plates of hibachi. So I was I was hurting the ne- the ne- that, that night, man. My stomach was growling all night. But there, there's some. Here's the thing. I don't know the places in Orlando yet, so you guys are gonna have to help me out next time I'm down there, which will probably be pretty soon. You'll tell me where to go. It's not PDQ, by the way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We, got, we got a gringos. I wasn't Coast sure about that. that. That wasn't the best answer. I've heard JRP give me some great answers, man. That wasn't his best one. 
Adam, you're a busy guy. Tell folks uh, some of the projects you're involved in and how they can follow you. Yeah, well, most exciting would be, you know, Mercury and what we're building and what we're building with the charge on .xyz platform and um, all the content we're putting out. I have the Next Up podcast with Adam Brenneman where we interview tons of guys, hopefully have Coach Malazan on soon when we can lock that down. Um, then just follow me on social media at Adam Brenneman 81 on most platforms and Twitter and TikTok and Instagram and just producing a ton of content around college football and NIL. And, uh, and yeah, it's been, been great, guys. Appreciate you having me on. Appreciate all you guys are doing. I, I love this show and, and congrats on all the success you guys are having. Thank you, Adam. We'll see you in the cabana. Yep. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Adam. See you, Adam. PDQ, you're giving PDQ a bad rap here. Yeah. I mean, it's not terrible, but I mean, the guy was like, hey, give me a good spot to eat and pdq and then he tries to cover it up with ah, chick-fil-a yeah. i mean and that, that didn't it's not like he came up with something he, he tried to buy himself some time i he was my cow of the week for those who didn't listen to uh, uh the sun's podcast jrp was my cow of the week there were a couple things on there adam asked him the, the size of the stadium and jrp is like yeah no it's big it's really big know. it's big people sit here and then he asked him that song. he's like that song we play a song and everyone jumps up and down to it you got to know those two things you got to at least know zombie nation jrp i mean i'm gonna need him to take a class Maybe his punishment should be to come on with us and Mike can educate him in all the things UCF history wise. Oh boy, I'm not sure he's ready. Mike will bring the uh, the stats uh, <laughs> and, and the scores. And, Mike uh, will bring some stats, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, the, the most important ones. Uh, good uh, to have Adam Brenneman on. One last uh, bounce in the bounce house this weekend for five nights in the Hula Bowl. Good luck to Isaiah Bowser, Kamal Campbell, Sam Jackson, Devon Wilson, and Alex Ward. Of those five, uh, what do you think draft prospects are? Who do you? Who do you think gets drafted in the NFL draft, if, if any? It's actually six, Trace. Anthony Montalvo got added ah, today, so he is now okay. also part of the Hula Bowl. I think I said this last week. I feel like Alex Ward will carve himself out a nice little career. don't know if that's a draftable position, but I think Alex Ward will carve himself a yeah. nice little NFL career. I see these guys are trading each other's uh, helmet stickers uh, during the practices and stuff. I hope nobody makes the Ryan Schneider mistake and puts the uh, the cow logo on their helmets. Other than that, this is a good uh, little bit of exposure like what, to them. What would a cow be doing at the hula bowl? I saw about, there was somebody with a cow helmet. So there's what? Yeah, there's a cow at, at the game, in the game. So, um, you know, I hope nobody makes that mistake. But good for these guys, a little exposure going into the draft, and maybe they can turn some heads. Uh, congratulations this Thursday to a former UCF wide receiver Brandon Marshall being inducted into the Hula Bowl Hall of Fame. I had long since forgotten that he was the 2006 Hula Bowl MVP. Uh, five catches, 101 yards at a touchdown. To, to quote perfect. what George O'Leary once told me, I'm in a lot of Hall of Fames. <laughs> I remember that quote. All right, let's go back to men's basketball. Uh, again, Knights with the double overtime win. Ithiel Horton, 30 points. C.J. Kelly, we heard from him off the top of the show with 21. Let's hear from head coach Johnny Dawkins on this fight against Memphis. You'll see Memphis again, but your team threw the first punch tonight. You know, absolutely. And that's, you know, for me, it was more about, you know, making sure we're protecting our home court. You know, we're at home. You know, we, you know we're at home. So at home, we have to have pride in, in defending our home court. It has to mean something. And I thought our guys showed it meant something today by how they kept fighting, you know, undermanned at times as well as, you know, down the second half, you know, they kept fighting until we had a chance to win the game. I asked on Twitter at SignPez this week, do you believe the 2022-23 Knights are an NCAA tournament team? Uh, still half say, uh, about half say, still too soon to say. The other half, yes, only a few say no. If you had to say right now, do they do they angle their way in there or they got a shot there? 
I'm in the too soon to say camp trace. I need about three more weeks, right? We're only what five games in the conference play. I need, I need about two to three more weeks and then I'll be ready to answer this question. I answered yes. Before the game last night, this team is good enough to make the tournament. I believe. Can they make it? That's a different question. They need to get the, the conference needs to get the respect of the, uh, the people at the committee putting these teams in. Uh, but if they finish top two in this conference, I believe they will get in top three is possible. Now up on TwoNightsMedia.com, the latest from Leo Rodriguez, UCF student, who put up a wrap on the game and the win over Memphis. And he joins us now for his uh, weekly check-in on UCF men's basketball. Leo, welcome back into the Suns Live. How are you guys doing? Doing well. Doing Actually, well. I want to ask Adam and Mike how they're doing after last night, because this is my first time covering UCF basketball a full season, so I want to get a perspective from lifelong fans of what happened last night and if you guys consider that to be an all-time classic. Mm. Yeah, I'll go. I'll go all-time classic. I mean, give me top. It's in the Mount Rushmore. I'd have to think about the uh, the top four. It's in the Mount Rushmore for me, though. I think it's maybe a little prisoner of the moment. But I was saying before you got on, Leo, this was a game we usually lose, right? We find a way to dribble the ball off our foot. We find a way to airball three at the buzzer. We find a way to give up a ridiculous and one in the paint. And those things actually happened, but we still overcame them. And that's the that's the unique part about this team. So uh, I am definitely excited. Probably my Mount Rushmore of games. I'm going to need to get back to you on that, though. Yeah, I'd put it probably top five regular season games. Are you talking about beating the Gators in the first ever game in that arena downtown in Orlando? Um, this one, the, the time we stormed the court against Cincinnati a couple of years ago. How about beating Houston on the road when they had college game day there? A few big ones in the last few years, but this one was – Excitement-wise, it was as good as any. The only numbers that mattered, of course, were the Knights uh, were the 107 points over the 104, but uh, they got killed in the paint. Leo, you asked Coach Dawkins in the postgame about that. Were you satisfied with his answer to your question? Um, I think he tiptoed around the question, but I think he has a lot of confidence in his team. I think he has a lot of confidence in Silla and in Toon, even though – you know, Tune struggled a little bit here and there, but um, but he he has a lot of confidence in his backups, and we're gonna suffer a lot with uh with Michael Durr's absence, and it's a little concerning to me. Um, but I I see that we do actually have depth, and that's that's the important part about about the team is the depth that we have, and it's real. It's not you know him just saying oh we have depth because he has to say it. They're all talented. They all have talent. It's about bringing out the best in each guy. Of course, Michael Durr having hand surgery today. Coach Dawkins hoping that he'll have him back uh, before the end of the regular season. Leo, what do we know about uh, Darius Johnson's injury? Any update on on timeline and when we might see him back on the court? Yeah, so Darius Johnson actually, he has a, obviously a foot injury and it's very precautionary. They don't have him, they don't they expect him back this season. So whether it's Coach Dawkins wanting to have him back for that Houston game because he knows that we have the talent to beat teams like Tulane, even though, you know, they're a good team. And, uh, you know, and even Memphis last night, you know, they're, they're a good team. But he has a lot of confidence in Jalen Young uh, to stick around. And he really wants Darius to be back for that Houston game. So I do aim – myself because I have no word a uh, concrete word that you know Darius Johnson is coming back soon or how soon he's going to come back but yes by that Houston game he should be back and um it, it's going to be exciting 
because we're going to need him. I know you're trading now as a professional to cover these games, but deep down you are a fan like us. How many times during this game last night did you think we had this thing lost? When Taylor Hendricks fouls out before overtime, did you think it was over? Well, you know, I, I when we were down at 14 midway through the second half, I was like, yeah, I think I might want to start prepping, you know, my little review, my recap, you know, kind of trending the, the game towards a loss. And, you know, part of being a journalist and, you know, making sure you recap the game accurately is, you know, to kind of dot down these things while the game's happening. Next thing you know, we're tied. We're going into overtime. I have my recap, you know, kind of done. And I, it, it's no longer accurate. It's done all right. It's, it's gone. gone. Yeah, it's done. It's no longer <laughs> accurate. So um, it's a big learning experience for me because – I mean, you know, as a new UCF uh, fan this this year, like, you know, the football uh, the football guys gave me some heart attacks uh, throughout the year. You know, now the basketball. So I've kind of learned to not put any of these games away um, and not jump to conclusions uh, too quickly. But yeah, it's, uh, it was a tough one last night to to cover. Is it concerning to you that I don't take a lot of uh, not a lot of sympathy for you? I kind of take some joy in watching you struggle. And yeah, Trey, Trey, yeah, he, uh, he enjoys watching me uh, learn. I, I think he sees it as a learning experience for me, really. The uh, just seeing me take in the game and him being a night fan all his life, basically, um, he knows what to expect. He has kind of like the DNA, that UCF DNA. He knows what to expect, and now. I'm sitting here, uh, you know, learning for myself. So, yeah. And I'm calm and rational, and I don't slam my hand on the table. I don't pace. I don't swear. Meanwhile, I'm over here doing all those things, all those things that Trace mentioned. So, yeah. That's the way to do it, Leo. Uh, whose performance last night was more surprising to you, Ty Freeman or PJ Edwards? Uh, PJ Edwards, just because of the amount of playing time he has, hasn't had uh, throughout the season. Um, those, I mean, you're hitting clutch shots in overtime like that and you don't get much playing time, like you got to give it to the kid. And uh, coach actually in in the post-game conference yesterday, he, he said it, he's like, Hey, PJ Edwards is very professional. You know, he comes in uh, to practice, takes care of business and he's always prepared. I think his preparedness and, and uh, you know, last night it, it, uh, it came to fruition for him and he got the playing time and he came up big. And I think he's going to have to come up big in the upcoming games. Cause you know, who knows when Darius is going to come back, especially these next two road games we have. All right, Leo, forget about this stuff. Let's get to important things. The New York football giants in the Let's playoffs go. Sunday afternoon at Minnesota. How are you feeling about this game? The giants getting healthy at the right time, playing their best football down the stretch. Give me a, a score prediction for Sunday. Um, I think it's going to be rather low scoring. I, I don't think either team is going to get to 30 points. Um, so it'll be in the 20s, uh, upper teens. Um, man, I'm going to go with the Giants 21 to 16. And uh, I know I'm not, I'm going to say I'm saying that with a biased, I'm biased about that, but uh, I strongly believe in my team. I do. I just, I think that we're all healthy. We're healthy at the right time. You know, uh, the injury report came out earlier this week. Nobody's going to be on the on the injury report. Every All the starters are going to be out there. I like our chances, especially from what I saw in week 13, if I'm not mistaken, 
against Minnesota at Minnesota. So I think this is our revenge game. Oh, yeah. I, I believe it, too. Um, the, the defensive line is healthy. They're going to get after Kirk Cousins. You know he's going to fold under pressure in the fourth quarter. Yeah. And, one-score game. and he's not playing at 1 p.m. So That's right. Yeah, all things are lined up. I'm, I'm booking my tickets for the Super Bowl in a couple of weeks. Catch Leo um, and Mike on Giants podcast on <laughs> twonightsmedia.com. Sons of Eli coming soon. <laughs> all right, Leo, thanks for catching up with us on UCF Men's Basketball. Okay. Catch Leo's reports on the Sons of UCF YouTube channel and as well his stories on twonightsmedia.com. See you at an arena, Leo. See you, Trey. See you guys. Thank you for having me. All right, as you mentioned, up next Tuesday – not Tuesday, Saturday – at uh, Tulane, uh, two o'clock. That uh, that's going to be a tough one. Tulane's beaten Memphis this season, so that's uh, yeah. Quick they've turn won, and a they've long won game four and... four in a row in the conference trays. Memphis, Tulsa, Temple, and SMU. Again, not murderers row, but four straight conference games. Yeah. Uh, previews by John Weiss. John's already sent me his article. I haven't had a chance uh, to get in front of my computer to send that off to you, Adam. But we'll have that up on twonightsmedia.com. Go around the kingdom before we open the mailbag. Uh, women's basketball. How about this one? They fall to nine and six, zero and three in conference. They lose eighty to forty two at Houston. Forty two points. They had thirty eight turnovers. Eee. Life life comes at you fast. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they are back home with Wichita State Sunday and uh, Tulane Tuesday. Good luck to uh, cheerleading and dance. It's the uh, Collegiate National Championship uh, this weekend in Orlando. Uh, Knights nice. finished fifth in that last year. You know, they're a national champion in this in years past. So good luck to them. All right. It's that time of the week. Well, Trace, um, we had a little oh, change boy. here. Oh, so. It's that time again. It's time to open the Brian W. Peterson Sons of UCF mailbag. Brought to you by two letters, two words. No, we have stand-ins now for Brian W. Peterson. He's too busy making shirts. Uh, he doesn't. Uh, he doesn't have time for all this nonsense. We also. Yeah, have why, a, do you, why do you send me the memo about this? By the way, I got the shirts as well. I didn't know we were wearing. This them. is the. I got a Jeb Shred shirt. I put the Jeb Shred shirt. And this is what we do. You send us something, I will wear it. Well, within reason, if you send me something, <laughs> I will probably wear it. So that's just how it goes, Trace. Very comfortable shirts, too. I, I like them. Accounting. I, yeah, I, yeah. Who knew? <laughs> we, we actually have a mailbag question I didn't tell you about, Trace. I forgot. Okay. Sorry. Here we go. Hey, Night Nation. Two hundred two words here. I'm here at the National Division One College Football Championship, and I have a question. If you could choose to have UCF be a perennial uh, middle-of-the-road team in FBS or be the king of the mountain in FCS, I want to know which would you choose. By the way, I'm standing here with the ultimate college football road warrior, Ben Chase. What's up, guys? John John. Go nights. Uh, remotes? Cameos? You didn't do a lot of walking, but that's fine. No, I'd, I'd rather be in the Big 12 than in whatever he was talking about. Yeah, give me the big boys. He's asking if we'd rather be what we've been, basically, for the last 30 years, or North Dakota State, right? So I'll take UCF. Yeah, I, I'll take UCF. Our buddy J.P. Gilbert uh, uh, takes some Is he off? He's off the, the shadow band trace? He's back into the mailbag? <laughs> well, it depends on what he asks. This one's marginally better. Uh, okay. Why did Gus hire a clipboard holding merchant <laughs> yeah, who didn't call plays last year as OC? I guess he does not um, He does not accept Coach Malzahn's explanation of the presser last week. I mean, we got to hire somebody. How do you answer this? 
we got to hire somebody. I feel like, you know, uh, black and gold, uh, you know, lenses through this one. Um, you, you know, maybe know some offense. Again, it's not not sexy on paper. I say we give it some time, though. You never know. Mike uh, at Ethan of 126. Uh, who hurt J.P. Gilbert? <laughs> I think maybe this is going back years. Maybe Frost leaving the way he did has hurt him and turned him into the villain that he is today. And that's why he goes after everybody. He goes after Mohajer. He goes after Malzahn. You go after Hypo, probably. I think he goes after basically everybody since Frost left. Who's the bigger Twitter villain in the Sons of UCF world? Is it JP or you? Me? I don't. I don't say much. Not, I definitely don't they say. Call as much all the fans uh, idiots or morons. 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 I said most. I didn't say all. Most. <laughs> most. Uh, at emptiness four. How about some offensive plays using three quarterbacks at once? Timmy, Tommy, JRP. How would you drop those plays? <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure there'll be some sort of reverse backwards pass lateral, and all of a sudden we're playing pitchy pitchy woo woo across the field. <laughs> uh, Andy at UCFXOS says, "Google the A11 offense." I guess if you want to see how that uh, comes into play. At M underscore M and UCF under Hinshaw, will a tight end get more than 0.4 targets per game? How much do you need him to block? I'm gonna go yes. I mean, why not? I mean, I'll I'll, I'll hit a yes on this one. I think Alec Holler obviously is coming back. Um, yeah, give me a yes on this one. All I need is 0.6 and I win, so I'm good. If they're good enough, then Hinshaw will find a way to get to the ball. That, that's going to be the key. He's got to find the strengths of the offense and work that, around that. All right, Christian Simmons, FICA Simmons, you're now the hypothetical. You're a magician. You get to magically place one former UCF player on the 2023 roster in their prime. Can't choose a quarterback. Who do you go with and why? This is This is a great question by Christian because this actually made me think for a little bit. I'm going to go with Terrence Plummer. Mm. Good, strong middle linebacker, somebody to quarterback the defense. Shaquem Griffin was a close second, but give me someone good, strong in the middle there to uh, quarterback my defense. I'm going to go TP. I also went defense, but I'm going with who I think probably is the best defensive player I've seen at UCF. Bruce Miller, mm. two years in a row, defensive player of the year, gets pressure on the quarterback, something we haven't done the last few years. Get in the backfield. That helps the secondary. That helps everybody. I uh, I was going to go with Shaquem, but I'm going to call an audible. Bring me back Kevin Smith. <laughs> Run the ball this coming season 40 times a game. Don't need to pass much. You need to We need someone to block for him, though, yeah. I know. I know. Uh, at Becca Barnador, I think this is a new person in the uh, Welcome. Bag, Welcome, Becca. Is the portal like the game musical chairs? Do you have to land at your school by the time the music stops? And when does the music stop? It's beginning to sound like the theme song to the Twilight Zone. Doesn't sound like a big fan of the of the portal. I, I read someplace, and I forget who said this, so I apologize if it was somebody on on here. Um, the, if you don't, if you are a starter or a, a rotation player on a D one football program with a scholarship. If you enter the portal and don't have a location that you know you can go to, you're a damn fool. Uh, because I think you're seeing a lot of kids who are in the portal thinking their opportunities and those dry up quickly. So unless you know you have a spot, you know someplace you can go, I think the portal is going to end up being a lonely, lonely place for people. The music never stops, Becca. So just get ready. All off season, these kids are going to be coming and going. They may be on the team one week. They might not be here the next week. Don't get attached to anybody. And Esmaro asking if we'd seen any experts' grades of the Knights' 2023 transfers in and out. I have not seen that, but I also have not admittedly done much research on this topic. Have you, have you seen any grades of what UCF has done so far? 
on transfer specifically. I think I saw in the twenty four seven composite. I almost said we were top ten. Um, but they've I think com- numbers. They've done the composite of the I think so? recruits I and think the transfers. So? I think it's okay. just transfers though. Um, mm-hmm. But again, it's optics. We only have ten transfers, and I think I saw Colorado's like twenty four. So it's one of those mathematical games as well. Mike uh, Jacob RCF says Jordan McDonald's dad said UCF would be in the national championship game in two years. Why would you say something so controversial yet so brave? I think he needs to step his game up and be more like me. I predict him to do it in one year, two years. That that's kid child's play. Twelve and zero, just like I do every year. Uh, Next year, you're not going to really seriously do that going into this season, are you? Watch, watch. <laughs> <laughs> Nah, see, I'm I'm recalibrating. I'm not I'm not getting pumped up about this. It's six and six, seven and five. Get to a bowl game. I'm I'm going to try and be more realistic uh, this coming season. Um, at the JC Morning in the era of NIL and the unlimited transfer portal, at what point does college football become essentially a semi-pro league feeder system for the NFL? And when does when does the NCAA clamp down? Just throw in the towel. I think the NCAA doesn't care. And they don't have yeah, wh- why do we think the NCAA wants to clamp down, right? We keep asking for equality and let's let's make things equal. Why do we assume the NCAA wants equality in this one, right? Like, if you're ESPN in college football, you want Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan. You want that in your playoff every year, right? We You don't want a TCU in your playoff. And that's just the way that the optics work from a money standpoint. So I don't think there's any incentive for them to stop any of this because – I'm assuming a boatload of people made a boatload of money on Monday night and a bunch of conferences are still getting rich. A bunch of coaches are getting rich. I don't see any reason why anybody would want to stop that train just for the little guy who's not up at the same table as everybody else. College football has always been the minor leagues for the NFL. Where has uh, this guy been? (laughs) It's been the same forever. At Black Gold Guido, what's the predicted record of men's basketball before fans start paying attention for real? I mean, more than, what, 6,800? Great atmosphere. Kudos to the students. They stayed, stayed through all the overtime. They don't leave They don't leave the basketball games like they do uh, football games. Uh, the atmosphere was good. Of course, not a sellout. You remember years back, Memphis would be an 8, 9, 10,000 uh, crowd for that one. Maybe they have a chance with Houston coming to town, perhaps as the number one team in the country. But I think, as your point earlier, Adam, 4-1, and one, not yet. Not yet to take them seriously. If we beat Houston, cocky UCF fan is going to be in full force. If we win the next two games against Tulane and South Florida, if that arena is not sold out, that is a big disappointment. The number one team in the country coming to Orlando, a a conference game, a team that we're moving to the Big 12 with, a team that we almost beat on the road a couple weeks ago, if that game's not sold out, cancel the program. I don't know what to tell you guys. The fans are never going to back this team. There's no other game. If you can't go to that game, what are you doing? Cancel the program. I don't have any plans. I'm free. Um, Black Gold Guido has a second question. Should we be excited about a wide receiver, secondary secondary G5 transfer uh, when UCF, in his opinion, depleted up front? Um, I think, as you heard Adam Brenneman say, you got to build it along the lines, right? And that, uh, that is certainly a question. We're going to talk about quarterback a lot in this offseason, but what UCF has along the offensive and defensive lines is very important to their success. Yeah, skill guys fill seats, but uh, big guys make sure coaches eat, right? Like we need, we need big guys up front to do anything. Skill guys, to Adam's point, I think we're always going to get that. But if we don't have our line solidified and depth, right, we can have five great old linemen and someone goes down with an ankle for a couple of games and all of a sudden we're uh, we're in trouble. I think you need uh, solid quality depth across both lines, 
I don't know that we're there just yet. This this question is not on my sheet here. I didn't even hear it. Something about <laughs> offensive line. <laughs> it's it's on your sheet. It's absolutely right there. There's a two. There's a two next to it. Uh, you gotta read UCF, down. But Mike, this one for you at UCF Realist. How many games does men's basketball have to win to assure themselves of an NCAA tournament at large? Bit right. Nine and three in non-con. Four and one so far in conference play. They're the last four in in the most recent bracketology. Twenty doesn't seem like the right number. Right. No, it's got to be more than 20. It's got to be at least 22, and you got to have another big one. So that means you you win the Houston game, you beat Memphis again, or, you know, I guess if Temple's playing just as well, you, you win that game. You, you can't lose to a bad team and, uh, and, and then do some damage in the conference tournament. Our buddy Brian W. Peterson, do you have a, a still of that? Can you bring up a still of the mailbox just so we can see him frozen and not talking? I, I, I don't, <laughs> I don't have a still I can play. That that uh, question was not on the sheet, though. The one you just asked, Mike, is not on the sheet. The UCF realist one? No, that came in late. Well, what are we, okay, yeah, your show. Came in late. Well, uh, well it, it, I like, by the way, Adam Brenneman. Everything he's got has got his name in it. <laughs> All the shows he's involved in. way to do it. Why would you not yeah. do it that way? Didn't this used to be called... Uh, Sons of UCF Live with Trace Rolko <laughs> for like a week or two. Uh, Brian W. Peterson, do you prefer the uh, uh, new UCF men's basketball uniforms or the older ones that we had for about a month? I didn't, go, I didn't even really go, notice. I'm going to go new, new, only because I like the name on the back. I like the new ones. I like the little palm trees they have there on the side. You can't really see them, but if you look up close, you see them. Yeah, it's a nice little touch. Uh, at Rejoice Nights, what adjective best describes the difference between last year's team, men's basketball, and this year's? I don't know if this is an adjective. Uh, I'm going to go with chemistry. These guys seem like they're a lot more cohesive. They seem like they play together better. They seem like they fit together. Um, even last night in the bench, you saw guys just jumping jump up and down for P.J. Edwards. So I'm going to go chemistry, I think, is the biggest difference between this year and last year. By the way, you know who you see jumping up and down? You see Darius and CJ Walker. And every time I yeah. see him jumping up and down, I go, you can jump it up and down and get on the court. <laughs> if wow, Trace calling him out. Headline, Trace, CJ and CJ, where are you? I, I I'm in it. the tunnel and CJ Walker's jumping up and down. I'm like, dude, how hurt are you? But I didn't ask. Why not? What's your adjective, Mike? Last year's team, inconsistent. This year's team, diverse. Uh, they're doing it in different ways with different guys every night. Last night it was Horton. Some nights it's Hendricks. Sometimes it's uh, Kelly. I mean, every night there's a different hero, and that's what makes a good team. You guys pick each other up. When one guy's not having a great game, the other guys do it. And they're yeah, doing it. They can rebound. They can score. High-scoring games, defense. They do everything. I saw Dolly's comment uh, saying that Johnny has really put together a good transfer portal uh, in, in this group. These guys have come in and contributed. So I think I said this on the pod. I don't know where I said this anymore, but this is a great example of – Sometimes it's not the names, it's not the it's not the names, it's the fit, right? These are names that we all made fun of. What's the CJ Kelly? We couldn't pronounce Ithiel Horton's first name. Brandon Suggs, he went to ECU. Like we were all like, who are these people? Michael Durr was a cow. Like we didn't want any of these people. And all of a sudden here we are with a really great team. So I think sometimes the name isn't as important as the fit. I'll give Johnny credit. He found a way to make these pieces fit together. He found people who fit well together and a team that fits well together. So sometimes the fit better than the name. At Golden Knight underscore the second, a great question. What was the UCF game or event you attended or watched that cemented your passion for UCF sports? You know, I, I started thinking about this question and I kind of laughed because I don't think I'd thought about it in this way. During high school, I came over and saw UCF play in the Citrus Bowl and just loved the idea of 
of watching college football. And, and I think about that now because I sort of mocked at times that enrollment goes up, interest in applications goes up. I think TCUs are up, what, 31% now because of this run they've had this year. And I probably was that kid that just loved the whole atmosphere. And uh, I, just my first game uh, watching UCF was, was it for me. I'm going to need Mike to keep me honest on this one. Um, I'm going to go September 12th in 1998, UCF versus Eastern Illinois in the Citrus Bowl. I think that was the first game that we attended as freshmen. And at that point, I was like, these are my people. This is my school. This is my team. Let's roll. So September 12th, Eastern Illinois. That was our first game for sure. Um, But for the first couple of years when we were in school, I mean, I wasn't into the game as much as I was into the partying. Sometimes we didn't go into the game until middle of second of the quarter. Uh, sometimes the Lenny Kravitz concert, I don't think we went until after halftime. But uh, the game that I remember that was a big one, I wasn't there, but I remember listening to it on the radio, the Alabama game, the kick. Mm-hmm. Since then, I started you know, taking it a little more seriously. And then after graduation, I came back. We'd go to the game, a couple games a year. Um, and then that was it. Became a season ticket holder and never looked back. That's Spursy night. I already answered this question, his question for you, Mike. Big 12 away game you're most looking forward to. It's it's Lubbock. It's Prairie Dog Town, and it's that craft brewery nearby. Well, we don't even know the schedule yet. Uh, it's not, not yet. even going to be on the schedule. So, I mean, hopefully there's an, an Austin or a Norman on there. Um, but I, I, is, I can't, ask, can't answer this question yet. Is there a Suns road trip to a Big 12 game? Never say never. How's that? Unlikely that the three of us are going to all be it. Highly unlikely, but never say never. Because <laughs> here's the thing: you and I are not getting Mike to Manhattan, Kansas. Like I, that's just not going to happen. So he was just in Manhattan. We're going to gonna need to we're going to need Austin or Norman, and even Norman probably shouldn't count. So we're going to need Austin, I think, before we get Mike anywhere near an airplane. <laughs> what if we turn it over to a vote of uh, of the fans that they pick the road game we go to? Are they paying for the trip? No. <laughs> Mike, is, Mike is such a, a good listener. Um, I think if you can convince him that you can find a good party spot, he might be in. So Mike needs two things. He's going to need white glove service, right? So some form of a, a 10 situation. He's not lifting a finger. Someone's like cracking his beers for him. He's also going to need a good party scene. So if anyone can put all, all that together, I think you've got a Austin, good chance of uh, you got a good chance of you. TCU, TCU near Dallas. Possible. Okay, it's got to be near a big city. I'm not flying six hours and then driving another three. Okay, so TCU is a possibility. That'd be a good one. Um, Austin, I think, is possible. But I'm not going to freaking Waco. What about West Virginia? Partying with those guys we had on the show uh, during the summer. It's it's not far from Pittsburgh. You know, three-hour drive. Pretty close. I don't know. They, they don't have enough teeth for me up there in West Virginia. I think Matt's right. Seeing all three of us in Iowa. <laughs> Boy, that's a list of things you're not just not likely to see, the three of us standing in Highly Iowa. likely. Highly likely. <laughs> At Nightmares J, what a good question we'll end with. What's, uh, what's the biggest adjustment in athletics going from the AAC to the Big 12 that really no one's talking about? I, I think that's an interesting question because we talk about, obviously, the money. We talk about the facilities. I would say, I think it's Terry Mahajer surrounding himself with people that are ready to move to the Big 12. We need to we need to mature across the board from fans to facilities, but certainly the personnel. I think there is a difference there in um, in the caliber of the people you surround yourself with, from coaches to support people. You, you got to step it up a notch. 
I'm gonna, I, I'm, I have an offshoot of that, Trace. I actually wrote down um, assistant coaches' salaries uh, because I think we're going to be some of the lowest assistant coaches' salaries probably across all sports throughout the entire conference, right? If we want to build and continue to develop our players, obviously coaches are going to be a paramount part. I think I saw Oklahoma State's assistant budget is like $8 million or something for football. We're going to really have to up the game if we want to keep a good coaching staff together. So I think that's going to be an area which is loosely funding. Uh, how do we keep and, and, and maintain good assistant coaches on staff? In all sports. In all sports, correct. Yeah. I think it's kind of what we were just talking about, the travel. There's got a lot more travel involved. Going all the way out to Provo, to Utah, then the next week going back up to Iowa, and the next week going over to West Virginia. These are not easy trips, and we're not going into big cities. It's not like you can catch a, a direct flight into New Orleans or Cincinnati or, or places like that. You're going to have to do a lot more traveling now. I think you can get a flight into Des Moines. Without issue. I don't think that's a two-stop deal. Any day. You can, like any day. Yeah. yeah. And I they're not cheap, though. I mean, <laughs> how much are those flights? And I got to pay for four people half the time. Well, the odds of the three of us and the three members of your family all being in Iowa seem very I love slim. that. I love that Mike just assumes you and I know airfare uh, rates at any current moment for all major Midwest cities. I love that. I was looking up uh, Southwest, at least, is opening up into August if the schedule ever comes out uh, I know some fans will be booking as soon as it does. So, all right. It was good to have uh, Adam Brenneman on. Good to be joined again by Leo. Uh, fun show, guys. Appreciate all of your questions and comments during the show. By the way, uh, Robert, uh, I don't think Adam spun the globe. So that's that's $100 out the window. Lost mm -hmm. to charity. All right, guys. Uh, great job again with the Daniel Obarski interview. Be sure to listen on the Suns Pod or follow along with the uh, uh, Suns YouTube channel. Uh, for all the great content. Uh, appreciate it, guys. Uh, for Adam and Mike, I'm Trace Relko. Go Knights! Charge on, Trace. You know what? I have the exact same player I had last week. Look at that. My name is Destiny Thomas, and thanks for watching the Sunday UCS. Sports Social Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.